I'm excited today to be talking about something. I'm kind of doing a departure from the series, You Are Not Alone. I just kind of, I'm going to leave that series alone. Sorry, I just don't really feel that. I want to speak about something that I talked to our staff about this week. And God used it in such a way that I just felt like I should bring it to you. And so I want to talk to you today about a message called Play the Movie. If you're not happy where you are in life today, if you play the movie out doing the same actions you've been doing, are you happy where you end up? If you don't change a thing about your finances, just keep spending money and doing whatever you're doing with the money you have right now, play that movie out 10 years from now, are you where you want to be financially? If you change nothing about your spiritual walk, are you where you want to be with God 10 years from now? Just play the movie. Does that make sense? And so just whatever it is in your life, just play it out and say, if I keep making these same decisions, will I end up where I want to be? Play the movie. I want to talk about that today. I'm very excited about this message because I think many of us want to end up in a different spot than we are today. Is that possible? I believe it's very, very possible. And I want to teach you guys some simple principles that will make this happen for you. It's based straight out of God's word. Very excited about today's message. Let's start off with a mission statement. First of all, what are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for coming out today. We're starting to fill back up at all of our campuses. Thanks so much for being a part of our services today. It's been a great September. So again, thanks for coming out. I was digging through my books. Uh, upstairs, I have this library above, above my office, and it's, it's junky. And it's, it's junky on purpose because I'm always going in there, and I'm, I'll have a topic or something will come to my mind, a concept or an idea. And I'm like, which book did I read that out of? And I start pulling books. I've got them all over the place. And I'll pull five or 10 books and I'll go pull them open and, and, and dig through them and find what I'm looking for and write it down and use it for a sermon. Then I just kind of pile them all back up, take them upstairs and just throw them around, right? So they're just kind of everywhere. It looks, it's like this mad professor's office, you know? And so it's like the one area I just want to geek out and have books everywhere. So I've got that all upstairs. As I was going through my books of the day, I was, I've got a whole section on church planting, a whole section on church growth, that kind of thing, on pastoring, the books that probably would bore most people, but I love those kind of books. And so I've got this whole section on it. And I've got this one little section in the section that's like on certain churches, like they were case studies of great churches, great ministries over the years. And I was going through some books and I just, I just happened to come across this book I hadn't seen in a while. And I grabbed it, I was like, oh, I forgot about that book. It's, it's, it's a little old now, but it's such a good book. It's called America's Most Influential Churches for the New Century, 50 High Impact Churches and How They Grow. So America's Most Influential Churches. So I opened it up just to see which books it was a case study on. And the first church I came to was Bay Area Fellowship, Corpus Christi, Texas. I had forgotten that Church Unlimited was in this book. It was kind of cool. I was like, oh, let me read about my church. I just hadn't, you know, I hadn't read about it in a while. I was like, oh, look at that. And first of all, there's a really young picture of me. I was like, that is a young Bill Cornelius right there. As I looked through, I, I was reading on it, and it was in our old building, and it talked about all the services we ran, and it, just, it, was, it was crazy just to kind of go back and, and read that. Oh, yeah, we did that. Oh, yeah, we did that. And so just to kind of go back and read that. But the reason I bring it up is not, not to brag. Please don't take it that way. But it was exciting to me because it just reminded me. I remember when I first started reading books on church planting, like starting a church from scratch and growing the church and what you want it to become. When I start, first started reading books about different churches and pastors and leaders, there was all these different leaders that I looked to, and then it was really neat to look that there's a book that I'm one of the chapters with all those same leaders in other chapters now. I'm like, thank you, God. God can do more than you could possibly dream or imagine. I am amazed what God can do with a dream. If you will just believe God for more, it's incredible what God can do 
in and through you. And I don't believe God's done. I think we need to redream within the dream. And so as God begins to do great things through you, begin to dream more dreams because God has more in store for you. So if you're not happy with where you are today, start dreaming big because God is a God of dreams and God fulfills dreams. So he puts something in your heart for a reason. He wants to fulfill that. So let's unpack that today. How do we actually make that happen? Look at Jeremiah 29, 11. This is in the King Jimmy version. It says this, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. I love the way that King James says it. He says, I want to give you an expected end. You may not start where you want to start, but God says, but I know where I'm taking you. Where I'm taking you has purpose. Where I'm taking you has God's pleasure all over. God wants to bless you in an amazing way. He wants to bless your family. Maybe you're in a mess right now, but God says, I will take that mess and turn it into a message. God wants to do great things through you, but there's an expected end that he's taking you towards. I want to give you six simple principles today. I'm going to go pretty quick on how to play the movie out and, and get it to where you want it to go. You know what great writers do? I, I, I like to read books about writers too. And writers oftentimes write the last chapter of their book first. Then they go back and construct the story that matches that to lead to it, to this, to this glorious ending. They write the last chapter first. And so I wanna encourage you to do this. If you're, gonna, if you're gonna make sure your movie plays out well, if your life is a movie, the last chapter of your movie, the last chapter of your life, what do you want people to say about you at the funeral, other than they want that when they tap you, hey, I think he's awake. You know, I mean, that's what they all want them to say, right? But when we actually pass away, when we're at our funeral, what do you want them to say? Man, that, that, that girl, that guy, man, they were a man or woman of God. They, they, they honored God. They did great things with their life. They made a difference. They, they were, an, you know, that, she was an amazing mother. He was an incredible father, right? They were a great, a great grandfather, grandmother. They, they were great in business. They made a difference in their community. What do you want people to say about you? And it doesn't have to match what, what I want. It's okay, it's, it's your life. God gave you a specific uh, thumbprint. It means that you're unique to you. So what is it that God has put on your heart that you are to do with your life? Again, like a great author, make sure you write the last chapter first. So what does that mean? It means this. Would you write this down? Write the glorious ending first. Write the glorious ending first. I didn't know how to start a church. I didn't really have a class on that. Like, here's how to start a church. I didn't know that there was such a thing. I didn't know there was books on it until I began to ask questions. I realized, oh, there are actually a handful of books I don't sell much because there's not a lot of people doing that. But, but there were books on it. And so I read 70 books on church planting and church growth before I ever moved to town to plant a church. Just, to, just so I'd know what I was doing and it really helped me to, to read all those books. I, after about five years in, I got to meet a lot of those authors who, who found us. Some of those authors found out who we were and that we were doing pretty well, and they would call us. I was, I was so honored that, that you know, they would, my, my assistant would come in and say, hey, so-and-so just called you, and I'd be like, wait, who? I have their book. And they would say, we, we've been hearing about you and what the churches do. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so great. And so if you just, I wanna tell you something. If you'll follow the steps of wisdom, Wisdom will eventually find you if you'll just follow the steps. And so I just want to encourage you that God has great things he wants to do through you, but you have to be willing to, first of all, write the glorious ending first. So what do you want it to look like? I actually wrote a single-page document about what I thought this church could turn into. The original name was Bay Area Fellowship. I remember writing, I believe that this church can turn into over 1,000 people 
regularly attending every weekend within 10 years. I thought that was so bold. In fact, I was told I was arrogant for writing that down. I had pastors, local pastors here tell me, scold me and say, that is so arrogant. Who do you think you are moving to town? I was like, I, I didn't mean that bad. I just, I'm just believing God. I, I didn't mean that in a bad way. And so I, I want to encourage you. Oh, and by the way, when it comes to that, when people don't like your vision, just hang in there because about last, all those guys have all moved on. Half of them have died. The other half have moved on. So you just outlive them. Just outlive your critics. Does that make sense? Just, just stay with what God told you. What God, I'm so glad I went with what God told me and not with what they told me. Because what, what they told me was devastating, but what God told me worked. So stick with what, what God tells you to do. So write the glorious ending first. John 15 says this, I chose you and appointed you, that's you, to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Here's one thing I've learned. If you'll ask God, for the vision for your life, God will clearly speak to you about what he wants you to do. And then this is the cool thing. God also says, not only do I want you to do that, but whatever you ask in my name, which means in my will, in what I've asked you to do, whatever you ask for, I'll give it to you. There's nothing that you will lack if you will do God's work. God will always provide. He, he provides everything you need. Where God guides, he also provides. He will provide everything that you need. Habakkuk chapter two says this, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. Make it clear what you're trying to do. I remember I, my goal was to be a church for the unchurched, for people who don't like church, for the next generation. I wanted the music to be updated, the dress to be updated, the language to be updated. I wanted the building to be updated. Let's, let's do this in a, in a modern way, but let's take the, the old gospel and do it in a new way. And so that was the big thing that I just felt so strongly about doing. And, you know, I looked up three or four years in and it was like, wow, God's really doing this. I, my goal was to reach a thousand people in 10 years. We did that in three years. So I was shocked. Again, God will outstrip your vision. The problem is we're not dreaming big enough dreams. You got to dream big and then attempt big things. And God can do great things. Look what it says in Proverbs 29, where there is no prophetic vision. Prophetic means you're speaking of things that don't exist yet. So begin to speak it like it's going to happen. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. So you gotta speak uh, with prophetic vision. You gotta believe in something that hasn't happened yet. And when you believe in something that hasn't happened yet, it'll keep you disciplined to stay on it. It says if you don't have a prophetic vision, you'll cast off restraint. You won't live restraint. In other words, if you don't have a vision for what you want your marriage to look like singles, then you'll have no restraint and where are you going Friday night? If you don't have a vision, ladies, for getting in that smaller size dress again, you won't have restraint at dinner. If you don't have a vision, right, for how much money you want in the bank account, you won't have restraint when you go to Walmart or Target. In other words, you gotta have some restraint to focus all your effort, all your energy on what that one goal is. If you'll have a clear vision about where you wanna go, you'll say, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna take that. I'm not gonna try that because I know who God called me to be, what God called me to do. I'm gonna stay focused on this. You'll have restraint. So number one, write the glorious ending first. If you'll do that, it's a powerful thing. I, I read a book years ago called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It is an old classic. It is still good to this day. One of the chapters in there was called Begin with the End in Mind. And the whole concept was what do you want people to say about you one day when you're dead? So we'll start living that way now because you're going to be dead a lot longer than you're going to be alive. And so all of us one day are just going to have a legacy. It's all going to be left. So what are you going to do with your life that's going to count? What are you going to do when you, with your life that's going to matter? You know, it's really been fun to talk about all these things, about going back to the beginning of founding the church and, and what we did and how we kind of laid out the groundwork of all that. What's been fun about it is in the last, uh, just really the last year to two, 
my boys have been coming to me talking about how they want to do this and want to do that. And I'm like, yep, I remember those days dreaming the dream and believing God. And, and so my son Cole has come to me and he's like, Dad, I really want to impact the next generation. I want to make a difference. I really want to leave a mark to where people, you know, really experience God in a fresh new way. And I was like, Cole, I, you sound a whole lot like I did when I was about your age. And so it was just fun. It's just fun to talk to him about that. So he is he has taken over our CU college ministry, and uh, he's excited about this. He's been dreaming about this for a long time, and so he's got big plans, and I, I've been telling the same thing. Begin with the end of mind. What do you want this to look like in two, three, four years? Start now laying the groundwork for that. Well, this is a big week for them. They are launching, relaunching CU College, and it's called Devo. Check out this video. What is up guys? My name is Cole Cornelius and I am the Young Adults Pastor here at Church Unlimited. I want to speak to you for a second. If you are young adults, I want to let you know that we are launching our brand new young adult ministry, Devo, this Thursday night at our Rodfield campus. And I promise you, you don't want to miss it. To stay updated with everything going on, go ahead right now and follow at DevoCU to keep up to date with everything that we have going on this Thursday. We got giveaways, we got merch, we got social media content, we got a life-changing message, powerful worship, and most importantly, we have a godly community to get you plugged into. I promise you the relationships and friendships you're going to build here are like no other. Make sure you guys get here this Thursday for Devo. This Thursday, they relaunch. They're very excited about that. Hey, Stone Oak, why don't you guys hop in the car and come down to all the young adults in Stone Oak. Love to see you there as well. Thursday night, 8 p.m. at Rodfield. Very excited for them. And as Cole would say, that's no cap. Make sure you're there. And so it's going to be worth it. I promise you, you don't want to miss that. I know I'm way too old to say that. Okay, so let's keep going. Here's another thing I've learned that you can do when it comes to the vision that God is giving you for your life is this. Reverse engineer someone else's success. Find someone who's done what you want to do and reverse engineer it. The first thing that's going to happen when the brand new Tesla comes out this next year is that GM and Honda and Toyota and all the other major brands are going to go out and buy a Tesla, take it back to their factory, and take it apart. That's the first thing they're going to do. Why? Because Tesla's now the disruptor in the industry. Why do you think all the new Toyotas now have a little screen in the middle? Where do you think they're getting that idea from? They're getting that because people are going out and buying Teslas. And so they're like, hey, wait a minute. We cannot let this new upstart company come in here and take our market share. So they're going to go find all the things that are unique about that car and try to implement there at Toyota and, and GM. And don't worry that GM and Toyota, they'll have something new that will come out and Tesla will go buy their car and they'll take it apart as well. And so why? Because they're trying to disrupt the industry and be industry leaders, which means you always find out who's leading the way, who's succeeding, and let's go figure out what they did. Let's go buy their computer. Let's go buy their phone. Let's go buy their laptop, and let's take it apart and see how do they build this. In the same way, who has what you want? Who has done what you want to do? Go talk with them and take apart what they did to figure out how they got there. It's called reverse engineering. It's actually something that people, there are, there are reverse engineers that all they do is take things apart to learn how they build something. And so in the same way, you, you can do that as well. I have a friend that has done very, very well in real estate. He's a young guy. He's got over 200 properties. And I said, how in the world did you get so many properties when you started off totally broke? And I just had several lunches with him and, and learned. And I was like, oh, and it's, it's actually very different than I thought what he was going to describe. And so I want to encourage you that we oftentimes think we know how someone succeeded, but if you really dig in and talk with them, you'll find out the way they did it is probably different than the way you think. That's why they've done it and we haven't. It's because it's different 
than you're actually thinking. So reverse engineer someone else's success. Success leaves clues. Achievement always leaves clues. So find out, how did you get so close to God? How, did you how do you have such a strong marriage 25 years in? How do you raise such great kids? How are you so healthy? You know, find someone who is in great shape that when they started, they were fatter than you, right? That's what you want to find. Someone who, or someone who's got money now and they were broker than you. Find someone who's close to God and they were, they were broke spiritually, so to speak. They were far from God and now they're walking with God. And so if you'll find out what did you do you can do the same things and get the same results and get similar results. So I just want to encourage you with that. Look what it says in Proverbs 9. It says this, Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Proverbs 13 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. just want to encourage you that if you'll just simply ask them the right questions, you'll get the right answers. Here's a question I always ask my mentor uh, at least once or twice a year after a big lengthy conversation about things I'm trying to do, I'll ask this question. I say, now what question did I not ask and what's the answer to it? In other words, like from your perch, from where you're sitting in life, what is it that I don't even see? What's my blind spot I don't even know to even ask a question about? And often he'll say, well, you didn't ask me this, but you should have, and here's the answer. So that's one of my favorite questions to ask someone who's successful at something that I want to be successful in. What am I not asking? What am I so clued out from I don't even know to even ask? And then what's the answer to it? And oftentimes they'll give me the question and the answer, and it really does help. And so reverse engineer someone else's success. This is what happens when you find a mentor. You can say, how did you get so fill in the blank? How did you get so strong if you're into weightlifting, right? How did you get so ripped? How did you get so spiritual? How did you get so wealthy? How did you get so stable? If you feel like you're very, you feel like you're kind of all over the place uh, emotionally, find someone who just seems like they're like a rock. And just, How'd you get this way? How is it that all the craziness of this world has not affected you? What are you doing different than the rest of us? And ask them that question, and you'll get some really good answers. And so I encourage you to make a list of two or three people that you think are really succeeding. They're doing really well. And make time to, to go hunt them down and ask them some questions. It's worth it. You can learn a lot. And so reverse engineer someone else's success. Number three, lay out the steps. Lay out the steps. So once you figure out how they did it, lay out the steps for you. It says in Proverbs 16, verse 9, a person may plan his own journey, but the Lord directs his steps. We oftentimes make plans. But when you go talk to someone who's already done it, you'll find out that your plans really aren't the same. And you go, okay, wait. So I've learned this when I, when I have the way I think it can be done versus the way someone's already done it. If it, if it disagrees with what I already have planned, I'm going to go with their plan. Because they've done it. I haven't. Why would I argue uh, for my angle when I haven't succeeded in that area. And so listen to them. If you'll do that, it's worth it. Lay out the steps. It says in Galatians 5, it says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all wisdom. So don't be afraid to ask some questions. In other words, don't say, I can't do it. Say, how can I do it? Never say, I can't do it. The Bible says, in fact, when you say, I can't, you're already going against God's work because it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So they're very clearly in Philippians 4.13. You can do it. You just haven't done it yet, right? Instead of saying, I, I, I'm just, instead of saying, I'm not in shape. Say, I'm not in shape yet. I, I, I'm not financially stable yet. I'm not close to God yet. Just add a yet because it gives you hope, doesn't it? You're like, you know what? I can do this. I may not be where I want to be yet, but God's not done with me. There are still plans he has for my life. God allowed you to be here today to hear this message. 
So don't say I can't do it. Say how can I do it? And then number four, ask for help. Ask for help. Don't be afraid to make an ask of yourself. <laughs> I make a large ask of myself all the time. Some asks are bigger than others. But if you will make an ask of yourself, it really will help. People tell me for years, Bill is a big ask. I am. I really am. If you will ask, you know what? what we spent months asking you to help us love on and encourage and be a blessing to first responders. And because we asked enough people, we gave over a million dollars away just a few weeks ago to first responders. That's just asking. You say, well, well I, I went to the banker and I asked for a loan for this rental house and, or, or for a house and, and they wouldn't give it. Did you stop right there? Yeah, they said no, so I got up and left. No, no, don't, don't get up and leave. Go back to that same banker and say, can I ask you why you said no? Find out why they said no. So just, why, why, why did you say no? So I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on you. I know you're just following your program. I know you're just following the rules of the bank. And so why did you say no? Then go back and correct those three or four things and then come back and say, I fixed all those things and then ask again. And so just ask more intelligently now. Don't be afraid to make an ask of yourself. Matthew 7 says this, for everyone who asks receives. It doesn't say most people who ask receive. A few people, it says no, everyone who asks receives. It's a principle that works if you'll just simply keep asking. Well, I tried that. It didn't work. Try it again. Ask again. Ask more intelligent. Ask someone different. Ask another bank. Just, just, just ask someone different. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, one of my favorite authors is a guy named Tim Ferriss. He wrote a book called The Four-Hour Workweek. It's really good. I don't think he's a Christian, but it's a really good book. Uh, he, he wrote that book, uh, and he went to 27 different publishers. 26 turned him down. The 27th said yes, we'll publish it, and it became a New York Times best-selling book. So he had 26 no's before he got to a yes. Let's be honest, would you have kept going at no number 23? 24 no's in, you're like, I mean, what's the 20, what? He didn't, what, but, but I'm 24 no's in. No, you're only two away from a yes. Because he didn't know that yet. You are closer to yes than you think. So just stay at it. If you'll just hang in there, don't, don't quit. You think, oh, I've got so many no's. It takes a lot of no's to finally get to the yes. And so you just have to keep asking. Don't be afraid to keep asking. Ask for help. Ask for help to build a team. Ask for help for volunteers. Ask for help for money. Ask for help for, for, for services. Ask for help. What do you need? You say, I'm, a, I'm just a single mom. I just wish I could go back and finish my degree. I can make so much more money. I don't know how to do it. Do you live anywhere near your, your family? Do you have any family around you? Why don't you ask them? Find out when is night class? What, what, there's a local university near you, and they have Tuesday and Thursday night classes. Can you just ask for your mom just to watch the kids just for Tuesday and Thursday night? Because you can get a degree if you'll just get a yes. So you just, you have to know what to ask. And so make sure that you're not afraid to make an ask of yourself. You know why this church has been so successful and grown? And I'm not saying we're the greatest thing. I don't mean it that way, but God has blessed us. You know what? We're always asking you to bring your friends. We're asking you to get involved. We're asking you to serve. We're asking you to tithe. The Bible clearly makes an ask of itself, constantly asking us to tithe and to serve and to, to make a difference in people's lives and to pray and to encourage people. And so if you'll just simply do those things, God will bless you. And so God's asking something of you. Now, I find it really funny that we always ask things of God, but we always say no when he asks stuff of us. Huh, what a shock that God holds back his blessing when we keep saying no to him. 
God's asking something of you. Give him a yes. And out of a relationship one to another, maybe God will then in turn give you a yes. Here's a crazy thought. Oh, Lord, please bless me in the great relationship. God's like, I'd love to do that, but I asked you to follow my rules on the last relationship when you didn't. So I'd love to give you that great relationship you want, but will you honor me with it? Or are you going to dishonor me again? Oh, Lord, would you bless me? I'm asking you for a promotion. I'm asking for a raise. I'm asking you for a financial opportunity. I was like, I've been asking you for a tithe for how long have you been saying no? We kind of forget that. Oh, yeah, I, I forgot. I guess, I guess part of asking is that there's a give and take, isn't there? So, Lord, I want to honor you. And so, Lord, in honoring you, I'm going to also ask you, Lord, you're a God of justice. You know what justice means? That means God's asking this question about you and I. Is it right that I bless you? Is there any reason I should do that? We forget that God's a God of justice. Hey, God, I'm going to blow you off constantly, and every time you convict me, I'm just going to ignore it completely, and now I want you to bless me. And God's like, for real? You think I roll like that? I'm a God of justice. And so what you sow, you reap. So if you keep sowing disobedience, you think you're going to reap blessing from me? So I want to challenge you with your ask. What's God asking of you? Obey the Lord. If you obey the Lord and honor his ask, he'll honor yours. God, please bless my house. He's like, you've been blessing my house lately? I'll be glad to bless yours. Lord, please do something spectacular in my children. I'm trying to do something spectacular in you. Will you obey me? Let's start there. So God is making an ask to us. Will you obey him? Then you can make an ask of him, and he will honor you. Just want to encourage you, ask for help. Matthew 7 is very clear. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You know, I find that doors don't open unless you knock on them. You ever notice that or not? You're like, it's weird. I was driving down the street, and I was looking, and all those doors were closed. It was weird. But if I would just pull over, get out of the car, and go knock on some of those doors, I bet some of them would open if I simply knock on them. You know, I know some singles are like, I'm just waiting for God to bring me the right person. Like, is this just going to show up at your doors? Are you going to knock on your door and just come in? Like, how are you going to find this person? Maybe there's some things you can do involved in that too, you know? And I hear women always tell me this. They go, well, but I'm not the aggressor. You know, I just have to wait for a man. Oh, first of all, okay, ladies, for, forgive me, but give me a break. You know you're smarter than that, okay? Because ladies, you know, how to, you know how to position yourself, right? You know how to just place yourself in front of the, in front of the right guy, right? To where you're making yourself available that you're there, right? So there are some things you can do. Okay, so I just want to encourage you. I was talking to just last night one of, the, one of our single guys. He was saying, well, yeah, he goes, I know they want us to hit the gas, but they got to show us the right signals. So ladies, you know how to do that, right? So, so put yourself out there if you want God to open an opportunity for you to have a relationship. Don't be afraid to do that. We, we forget that there's some things we can do. Don't just say, oh, I'm just waiting on the Lord. There's some things you can do. Do your part. So I just want to encourage you. And so ask for help. Knock on those doors, get out there, make a difference. It's incredible what you can do if you'll just simply apply yourself. You know, my, my father used to work for NASA years ago during the Apollo missions. And, and uh, after that, they had the space shuttle missions, and they would strap the shuttle onto a giant rocket. And uh, I had the privilege when I was a kid to go watch one of those rockets live in, uh, at Cape Canaveral. And uh, I remember watching this thing. It was so cool. They had this huge rocket strapped, uh, this huge shuttle strapped on this massive rocket. The rocket's literally like 12 to 14 stories tall. It's massive. But actually, only two stories, one and a half stories to be exact, is the engine. The rest is just a giant cylinder full of fuel. Because it takes a swimming pool of fuel a second to get that rocket in orbit. 
But once it's in orbit, it detaches from the shuttle, and the engine on the shuttle runs off the same gasoline that roughly a large SUV runs off of once it's in orbit. You know what we keep doing? We keep looking at people in orbit and thinking, man, that, that Instagram influencer, they just, all they did was just put out one tweet, one Instagram post about their new book, and they sold 10,000 copies. I mean, wow, I wrote a book, and I had to self-publish it. I've only sold like 13 copies, printed 100. That's all I could afford to print. I mean, I've only done, yeah, but whoa, whoa, whoa. You're comparing yourself to someone who's in orbit. So what about the work it took for them to build that following before they made an ask of themselves? So be real careful not to look at someone who's in orbit and compare what you're doing to them. And so they put in a lot of work to get the name that they have, to get the brand that they've built, and then they made an ask of themselves. And so to get in orbit, for a ministry to take off, years ago, for, for us to, to, to see 10 to 15 people receive Christ, it would take us up two months, three months for that to happen. Now we, we see that every single weekend. We see more people receive Christ in one weekend than we used to see annually. But that's because the church is larger now, has a larger influence, has a lot of different campuses, a lot of different services. And so, so from a church planter's perspective, from a pastor's perspective, we're in orbit. We weren't before. Now, but it's okay, because I'm looking at pastors and churches going, how are they doing that? But, but, but they've worked so hard to get where they are, to have the influence, and, and that's why they're doing more than we're doing. So I'm learning from them. In the same way, someone may, may be at a different spot than you. Make sure you understand the fuel it took for them to get to that spot. Does that make sense? So it, it, it's not as easy as you think. It's going to be harder than you think. It's going to take longer than you think. But it's going to be better than you think. So you just have to put in the work. You've got to put the fuel in. But once you're in orbit, it's a lot easier. You ever heard people say, well, it takes money to make money? There is some truth in that, but you have to start somewhere. I mean, it's true, it's a lot easier to make $100,000 in the stock market if you have a million dollars in the stock market. It's really hard to make that if you have $10,000 in the stock market, right? And some of you right now are thinking, I wish I had $10,000. Well, you, it just takes one paycheck at a time, saving money, and you look up four or five years from now and you're like, hey, that's turned into something. And so, but you have to get in orbit. Just start where you are. Every rocket starts in the same spot on the ground. And so how high do you want to go determines how much fuel you need. So I just want to encourage you. You tell me how far you want to go, and I'll tell you what kind of fuel it's going to take to get there. So ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask, and it may take a lot more fuel than you think. Number five, prioritize your steps. Prioritize your steps. Ecclesiastes 5 says this, dreaming instead of doing is foolishness. So we're talking all big right now, but when are you going to do something? Get into the action habit. Do something. In fact, this week, off of this message, do something different. If you want your movie to end differently, you've got to, to add a new scene. You've got to add a new part. Do something different than you've done before. If nothing changes, nothing changes. You have to change something for it to change. So Ecclesiastes 11.4 says this. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. So this is a bad time for me to buy a house because the market's gone crazy and you know, it's so expensive. Well, I mean, yeah, it's gone up, but it's just going to keep going up. So I just want to encourage you, at some point, you just got to jump in the market. You just got to do it. You know, you're going to feel like you're overpaid this year, but next year when your house is worth a little more, it won't be overpaid anymore. You just had to start sometime. You know, we built this building. We built this building in 2007, 2008. You guys remember the economy in 2007, 2008? The price of steel tripled while we were midway through building a steel building. 
The price of our building went from $8 million to $16 million in one year. The price. That's a problem. You're sitting in the building now, aren't you? We got it done. Sometimes God allows you to get in a mess so he can prove himself. Just get started. It may not seem like the perfect time, but now is always the right time to obey God. Now is always the right time to obey God. Ephesians 5 says this, make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. So prioritize your steps. And then last is this, never give up. Never give up. Don't quit. Don't give up. It says in Galatians 5, let us not get tired of doing what is right. For after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged. I just want to encourage you right now. Don't give up. Let me just, let me just say this. Maybe God brought you here for this. Don't give up on your marriage. Marriages don't fail because of adultery. They don't fail because people are jerks. They don't fail because of incompatibility. Those are just excuses we sign off on the paper that we really just gave up. Don't give up. How are people married 50 years? They just don't give up. How do you stay out of business when you're tired? Just don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your business. Don't give up on your faith. Don't give up on your country. Don't give up on your church. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your career. Don't give up on your degree. Don't give up on your health. Don't give up on your emotions. Don't give up on life. Never quit. Don't give in. God has bigger things. It's time to redream. It's time to think bigger. When I look back at the miracles of how this place got started, it doesn't inspire me to go back. It inspires me to go forward. Because God is still in the miracle business. God has new things for you to do. God has new peaks for you to climb. God is not through with you. I'm speaking to someone today. God is saying he has a plan, a purpose. Play the movie out. He's got something great for you. Would you bow your heads with me right now? All heads bowed, all eyes closed across all of our different churches right now. I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're ready to throw in the towel. You're tired. You're ready to give up. Play the movie. How do you want it to end? Write that last glorious chapter and then begin to work towards it. God's got a huge future for you. He's not through. He is not through with you. You're not too old. You haven't missed your window. The opportunity is still there. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're not overqualified and you're not underqualified. You're just right. You're just the man for the job. You're just the woman for the job. You're exactly who God is tapping on the shoulder saying, you, yeah, you, I'm picking you to bear fruit. I choose you. I appointed you to go and bear fruit, to get results. That's what God says about you and me today. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe your prayer today is that you've never given your life to Christ. You can trust in him right now. You can, you can simply acknowledge that he came to this earth, died on the cross for your sins and for mine. Then he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you and me to individually receive him. That's what it means to become a Christian. You can become a Christian right now by praying a very simple prayer. Just, just trust Christ right now with your life. Pray this prayer with us across all of our different churches, all those who are online watching right now. You can pray this prayer. Just simply say this. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. 
Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, no one's looking around. If you just gave your life to Christ, would you simply lift your hand high? If you just prayed that prayer for the first time and gave your life to Jesus, just lift your hand high. No one's looking around. Thank you. We see those hands right now all across our campuses right now. Just hold your hand high. Thank you. You're not alone. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Hold your hand high. Those who are watching online, if you just gave your life to Christ, just put it in the chat right now. Just say, my hand's raised. Maybe you're at churchunlimited.com streaming with us right now. Just click hand raised. Just let us know. If you just gave your life to Christ, let us know. Praise God. Praise God. We see those hands in Rodfield. We see those hands at Stone Oak. Praise God, Rockport. Thank you. Hands lifted high at Padre. Thank you. Praise God. We see those hands. Praise God. You put your hands down. Maybe you're already a Christ follower, but maybe today you say, Pastor, honestly, I need to dream a new dream. I need to believe again that God's not through with my family, my marriage, my kids, my health, my career, my finances. I'm going to dream a new dream. I'm going to begin to write that last chapter, what I want it to look like in 20 years, 30 years. And I'm going to begin to work towards that goal for a glorious, God-honoring finish. I'm going to get started on it today. Maybe some of you need to go spend a little time with God this week and say, God, please speak to me. Show me what you want to do through my life. What is it that I'm supposed to do? What's possible for me? And help me to dream that dream. God, thank you for your word today. Thank you that you've spoken to us, Lord. Help us play the movie out because I believe, Lord, you have a glorious ending for each and every one of us. In your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.